hello this is hello. um <laughs> this nice to been, meet you uh, yeah nice to meet you i'm roan interpreter for i'm a senior at shadow mountain high school where's that it's up in phoenix arizona oh wow which hmm. is like way on the desert here yeah it's been wow it's pretty nice i was up in new york the other couple weeks ago to see my oh. uncle oh, and cool. that's what i that's where i talked about at you because I was interested in meeting you and talking about that because I heard that you were a career counselor. Yep. I, so the main thing I've been researching right now is, you know, how to get to a career of sorts that you're happy with, that you're satisfied with. Because one of the main things that I've been, of course, worried about as a senior is what's going on. <laughs> past graduation, like what's my yeah. future going to look like and things like that. Mm -hmm. Well, and are you a senior in uh, in high school or college? High school. Okay. So I have not, I'm not graduated yet. I'm figuring out my college plans. I'm figuring out where I want to go and what major I want to do, things like that. Right. And this conversation kind of started um, this summer because I was curious about what other people went through. And I asked a lot of people in my life, like how they achieved their, their careers and stuff like that. Yeah, that was smart. And it's like everybody gave a different answer to my <laughs> same question. And it was, it was really interesting because I'd never yeah. really seen that before. Like, uh -huh. it's like, it was just a really interesting conversation to have with mm -hmm. so many people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as I was talking about this, I realized that this could be a very interesting project for me over the year that I could do for my Dapstone project, which is essentially uh. a sort of college level project that happens over the year. And we do a presentation about it at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So um, what I wanted to do essentially was find people who I could have a very detailed conversation with about these sort of topics because um, a lot of students like me are still sort of searching for this and they don't really have the information available to these kinds of things. So I wanted to see if I could find people and I heard from my uncle that about you and I thought it would be interesting to have you talk about sort of your experiences uh -huh. and what you'd be what what job how your job sort of deals with that kind of topic but other than that mm -hmm. i think i just want to ask you some questions is that all right sure 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 okay thanks yeah so how long have you been doing this job for Ooh, long time actually it might help if i give you a long-winded answer mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> that, please. That, give me give me, <laughs> give me plenty of time yeah <laughs> so gee I started this in the 90s in the 1990s but I had another career first so going way back in college I was a philosophy major and a broadcast journalism minor and I did those this is going to be a theme you're going to hear is I did those things because I was really curious and interested in them and I love learning and i felt like i didn't view college as vocational i viewed it as an opportunity to really indulge curiosity and study about all kinds of things that 
you know, might or might not be, you know, in front of me in the other, you know, in the future. So I had this kind of, I don't know, blind faith that I, yes, I'm going to work. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'll be out there getting a job and I had no, I didn't, for better or worse, I didn't worry about it. Although when I got out of college, the economy in New York was really, really bad. And mm -hmm. they were laying people off. The government workers were getting laid off. Teachers were getting laid off. It was a really bad economy. And yet in my sort of naive way, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get distressed by that. I just kind of tuned it out as, I don't know if tuned it out is the right word. It was just sort of, okay, yeah, that's true, but I also need a job. Mm -hmm, <laughs> so yeah. I persisted. Now, as it happened in my, my minor in broadcast journalism, we did a lot of work in the, in the studio. Besides learning how to write you know, news copy and so forth, we also worked in uh, did production. So I knew how to use a lot of the equipment. We all took turns, you know, being being a camera person, a stage manager, working, you know, the film chains and slide chains and being on camera. So when I got out of college, I decided, even though it was it had been my minor, not my major, I decided that, you know, I, I wanted to get a, a job in television. That's sort of as much as I knew. I, I didn't really have a lot more specific target, just wanted to kind of get myself into that. So I went, I generated letters. I, I went to the public library and I made lists and lists of companies that, you know, were in any way film, television, production oriented. And I just started sending out letters and most places ignored me. And some places said they would see me. But when they saw me, they said they only agreed to talk to me to tell me, honey, you got to find something else to do because you're never going to get a job in New York in this field. And this was also a time when um, women were mostly, you know, hired for things like receptionist, secretary, assistant. And there was mm -hmm. no way I was going to do that. First of all, I'd be fired in five minutes because <laughs> I'd be terrible at it. And there's just no way. So, you know, so, you know, I'd say, okay, thanks. And then I did get another call from a guy who was the head of programming at a local independent TV station. His secretary called me and said, of course, we don't have any jobs here, but Mr. Borm said he'll talk to you. I said, okay, fine. I figured it was going to be another lecture. I go in to see Mr. Borm and you know, we're talking and he says, he's a, now I was a hippie. So I thought I was dressed up because I had on a denim skirt and a denim shirt and sandals. Yeah. And this guy was like a very, you know, kind of stuffy, older, conventional guy. Mm -hmm. So, so we're talking and he said to me, well, he said, I see you majored in philosophy. Yes. Okay. So we talked about that a little. So he said, I guess that means you can think I do have a job here. So I got a job, great job. It was a really good job in television when everybody else was like, oh, it's never going to happen. You know, there's no work. You, But I just sort of, you know, persisted that, but, but this is what I want. So I just kept at it. Mm -hmm. And then I got this great job and 
when I was there, one of the things I did, I hired a lot of freelancers for production work and live events. And anyway, that, so because I was also kind of tapped into that network, those folks knew what was going on where. So in under two years, I got recruited to another place in television to work. And I went a little bit kicking and screaming, saying, well, nobody ever heard of you. I don't know. Should I do this? So I went and it was HBO, but nobody had heard of it yet because it had it had just gone up on the satellite and was only in a few places. And anyway, I ended up there for like 10 years. So Uh and I had a great career there too. really. I did a lot of really fun, interesting stuff. And I was very young to be promoted, uh, you know, fast because of the, really all of this started because of what I learned in the production classes in uh, in undergrad. And then when I was at HBO, they also, they wanted me to get an MBA. So they paid for me to go to NYU and I got an MBA while I was working there. Awesome. But then, yeah. Um, but what I, over time, I mean, I loved what I was doing, but I also began to feel more and more like, you know what, I'm putting in all this brain power and time and energy and when, you know, and I, it, it's not meaningful anymore. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't get worked up anymore about, should we put this show on a nine? How much should we pay for it? How should we promote it? Where, how should we, I mean, the stuff that had really been kind of fun and, you know, I was really into was beginning to not feel worth it to me. It just wasn't that meaningful. So I went I went to see a career counselor, actually, myself, to kind of figure this out. Plus, I was in therapy at the time, and it was a topic, you know, in, in therapy. But trying to kind of figure out what's going on, why am I feeling like this, and what does it mean? And the bottom line really was that it just wasn't meaningful to me anymore. And so then I had to go on my journey to figure out, well, what does what does constitute meaning and so i so and how do you uncover it and so i that's some of the work that i did with the career counselor and it's the work i do with clients now and so where that left me was just to you know abbreviate it was i ended up recognizing that what I really wanted to do was I I love work life and work life is um, so profoundly important. It's, it's, it's where we spend most hours of our life is at work more than we do with partners or, you know, family Uh or even friends. And it's where we experience connection to community it's where we implement and express identity. So career to me is really an identity issue. You're really saying like, who am I and who, how do I want to be in the world? And what's the nature of contribution, impact, effect that's worth it to me? You know, at, no matter what you do, there'll be days that are really awful and, you know, everything goes wrong and you feel discouraged. But if you feel that it's personally meaningful and you say, but you know what? I'm glad this is where what I'm doing. I know today was a bad day, but this is still of significance or purpose to me. And I get up for another, you know, get up to do battle another day. 
in mm-hmm. it and I'm, and I'm, you know, good with that. So, so I left my old field and then I went back to school and first I got a post-grad in something called organization psychology because I, I, I knew work life was where I wanted to have impact. And initially I was thinking that I wanted to work with organizations for the organization to be more effective for its workers. But pretty, I, I went through the whole program, but I did re- realize by the end that actually I really care more about the individual than I do the organization. So then I went and got a master's in counseling because counseling psychology is the only discipline where you get uh, coursework that is career related. Yeah, or specific to careers. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, so while I did that, I also started working part-time at Citibank's Citibank had an in-house career services group. So I, it was great. I got a, a job there part-time. I was job sharing with somebody, but I got all their benefits, which included education benefits. So they paid for my master's in counseling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I always, you know, I'm recommending to people, if you can find work in an organization that has education benefits, you know, that's a real it. plus. Yeah and take advantage of it because I have two master's degrees that I didn't pay for. Yeah. That's great. You know? So, yeah. Anyway. So I, so I also launched my own private practice while I was doing that. And, and, you know, I had to get thousands of hours of supervised practice to get my license um, in New York state as a mental health counselor. So, so I did all that you know, over time. And so I started all that in the nineties. So I've been doing it ever since and love it, love it, love it. That's great. So that's um, a long winded answer. I hope I got to what you wanted. Oh to yeah. Hear. That, that was, that was plenty. That was great. Uh, I wanted to ask if you could put it in your own words, what is your sort of goal as a career counselor? Like what, what are you trying to achieve for your clients? Yeah. Well, that's a really good question. So the first thing I'll say is you have to you have to meet your client where they are. So you have to understand what do they think they need? What do they think they want? And you know what they are after. And then you know often what they come in thinking is what they want or need. We discover along the way that it's really not exactly that. So for me my agenda is um, meaningful life. I'm, I, my aim is to help people understand m- more clearly what constitutes meaningful life for them and how they can give themselves that by way of their work life. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wanted to ask, what are, what are the most common reasons people come, come to you for for that sort of advice slash help? Yeah, well, as you can imagine, it varies. I mm, work with lots of folks in their 20s and, and you know early 30s who are really trying to, the 20s are a really interesting decade because they're a huge period of transition from, because because prior to that, most of your life, you were somebody's kid. 
somebody's kid, a student, and how your life was organized was pretty much around school. This is how you, or, and your neighborhood, like this is how you had friends, this is how you got involved in activities. But in your 20s and your, when you're, you know, whether it's out of high school or out of college, is the whole, the world is different. It's uh -huh. not organized around school or life as a student. And you're trying to emerge into what I call novice adulthood, where you have an emerging identity that isn't anchored in, I'm somebody's kid, I'm a student, I'm, you know, somebody's sibling, yeah. but that you're trying to figure out, well, who am I as, a, as, an, as an individual? At the same time that we still have an adolescent brain until we're close to 30. And so there are certain capacities that you're one is sort of struggling to access while it's still in development. So the part of how so what the 20s are really about is experimentation. It's experimenting with work. It's experimenting with kinds of people you want in your life, kinds of what kind of relationships do I want? How do I want to live? Where do I want to live? What's you know, what makes me tick, trying mm -hmm. to figure that out. And so in your 20s, allowing yourself to to play with and experiment with different kinds of work. Like if you think you're curious about, you know, music or being a sound engineer, go play mm -hmm. with it. Go see. Uh, be, and there are a lot of ways you can go experiment. Sometimes it's you, you take a class. And in the class, you're, you know, that becomes a link to who else is out there in the world doing this, or your professors, your teachers are doing it, or you, you know, the school may have a relationship with certain employers. But classes are, are one way that you can dabble in something, but finding out, you know, who, like if there's a new, I get, around where I live now, there's a whole new uh, huge sound studio that's op opening up. And so even if you don't have a lot of experience, you just show up and you say, hey, you know, I love this. I'll I'll come in for nothing. I'll be an intern for actually I knew somebody who, who ended up. He worked in a different field, but always loved, loved, loved radio. Mm -hmm. So he volunteered on the weekends. He had a whole other real job. But he, he used to volunteer on the weekends to do whatever they wanted, even go get coffee at a local radio station that he listened to. So he made himself known. He made himself likable. He was. Well, so then he ended up after some amount of time, he kept sort of they gave him more and more things to do that were closer to the music. And he loved talking music. He loved music. The, the long story short is he ended up with his own show. And won all kinds of awards. That's um, crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's where he wanted to be. He really loved it. He was willing to, like, just be there doing anything to get started. But, he, you know, he was also experimenting. Like, this is a fantasy. What's it really like mm -hmm. to be there? So you have to, you know, play. And as you're doing that, you're also, not only are you learning more about whatever it is that you're curious about, you're also learning more about you. And does this work for me? Do I like this? Do I not like this? Do I need more structure or do I need more autonomy? 
to uh, how important is it to me to like the people I work with? Um, uh, do, how much do I want to be collaborating with people? How much do I want to have my own stuff that doesn't involve others? Uh-huh. So, so you, so you're also, you know, f- figuring out well, what do I need at work? And yeah. if something like I found it, like something can be a lot of fun um, for a time, and then, but is it sustainable? Do you does it speak to, you know, what you need for purpose and meaning? Mm-hmm. And you can't know that without experimenting and playing around with it. Yeah. Um, you, oh, what yeah. Are you, were you about to say something? I was going to say you get clues from what you what you 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 observe over. You got to be very self-observing about well, what kinds of things do I find I am curious about? What do I I and mean, what am I drawn to to find out more about? Mm-hmm could be reading could be podcasts could be attending seminars it could be the kind of people you like talking to yeah speaking of that like what what if you had to guess what age do you think people sort of realize what they want to do with their life like when do they sort of make that realization if you well yeah that's that's another good question i i would say it's really not generally speaking which is not to say there aren't exceptions but generally speaking, it's kind of early 30s when you mm-hmm. begin kind of, you have a little bit more experience under your belt, you have a little bit more of a sense of yourself as this um, you know, young adult. And so there's a little bit more, I'm going to say certainty about what you can act in a committed way towards. But because we we live longer and work longer than humans ever have before. And the nature of the world of work is dynamic and changes at unprecedented rates. Roughly every 15, 10, 15 years, you're gonna be revisiting. Mm-hmm. So, in, in fact, some some colleges have programs where if you there these are the expensive elite schools if you graduate from them then you can if you if you come back in i don't know how many years out it is 10 years 15 years there may not even be a limit on it if you want to retrain um they don't you don't pay tuition mm-hmm. because uh, they yeah. recognize that you have to you know we always have to be Re, re, really retraining and yeah. asking I mean, the essence of what makes something worth it to you and what's meaningful to you doesn't change that much but how you need to meet it yeah how you get what, there sort of. yeah that can change over time mm-hmm. i've seen like a couple people in my life who have been sort of i guess you could describe it as stuck um, they're yeah. feeling like they couldn't really get out. And I'm guessing that's sort of your job, but how do you, if you had to like generalize it, how would you get out of the feeling of sort of being stuck? Well, first you have to understand why you're feeling this stuckness. Mm-hmm. You know, what what is it about? Is it that it's not the right match? Is it that there's some some other way of being in it that you're not, letting yourself go after 
you know, what, what, it depends on why one is stuck and what one is saying to oneself. Because when we feel like we're stuck, we're really saying I'm powerless. There's nothing, mm -hmm. I, I can't do anything to get out of here. And sometimes what the person is really saying is, look, getting out of here is going to mean trade-offs. And I don't mm -hmm. want to have to trade off. Yeah. I don't, okay. you know, like maybe I'm going to have to tolerate being novice for a little while and something new. I don't want to be, I don't want to feel like a novice. So I'm not willing to make that trade off so it so it depends but i mean that a lot of people do i was telling you about people in their 20s and, and early 30s but i get a lot of people who are in their 40s 50s you know or 60ish who are feeling that way too who they feel they they feel that as you just described they feel like they're kind of stuck they've made their bed but they're miserable and they don't know how they're gonna you know move on from continue mm -hmm. yeah what are usually those main obstacles such problems when they're trying to get out of that unstuck feeling like yeah well two things one is usually the real one and that is we have as a society a horrible terrible fear of what we call failure mm -hmm. that is such that is so toxic people are terrified of quote failing when failing only means the outcome you were aiming for isn't how it went how it came out and it's a necessary experience for learning because it is how you learn what you didn't know or mm -hmm. what was invisible to you or what you were missing in the judgment that you wouldn't have discovered had you not tried and had the thing blow up mm -hmm. So, but people are terrified of looking like they made a mistake, they failed, and that is paralyzing. So it means that they won't try something or make a move unless they have some way to have an a, an a priori guarantee of mm -hmm. how it's gonna go and how it's gonna feel to them. Yeah, And that's yeah. paralyzing because it's not possible. Mm-hmm. And the uh, other thing is, yeah, especially for thing. people who are kind of midlifers, is money. That people mm. are really afraid of having to, you know, downgrade in income to make a change. Yeah, that makes sense. But um, a lot of times, <laughs> why the money feels so important is because the money is actually, they're trying to have it compensate for the emptiness of what they do. Yeah, okay. If you if you had a sort of solution, how could how could one avoid these problems in the future? These problems meaning like the the fear the, or money or fear. whatever that causes that sort of you know Yeah. Well things like that. I think it's reminding yourself <laughs> that in micro in micro bites in the course of the day pushing yourself to try something that doesn't have a guaranteed outcome mm -hmm. and seeing how it feels and that as bad as it might feel and as 
embarrassed as you might feel is that you don't die from it. Okay, so I feel crappy for a few days. Maybe mm. I hide under my bed for a few days. And then, you know what? I'm hungry. I get out. I go back out. And now I, I can pay attention to what did I learn out of this? So I think it's, we don't have enough support around us generally. I mean, you might be lucky and do have it, but but a lot of people don't have enough support around them to allow mistakes, experiments, failure. So, you know, letting yourself have it in small areas and build is, is, is an important way to kind of build the muscle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the money, I mean, the way you want to think about money is, well, what's the, what, because people just think in terms of, these big concepts about money but you really have to ask yeah. yourself okay what's the life i want to buy what's actually yeah, exactly. important to me mm-hmm. yeah because you know, of course money many people put a lot of importance on money but it's not exactly like you know what are you going to use this money for what is it what exactly are you pursuing you know yeah things like that but when people overemphasize it they give it too much power mm-hmm. usually it's because they think the money is a signal to the world about how valuable the person is. And the less secure you are in your own value, the more vulnerable you are to getting attached to money and material things as a replacement for believing in your own value yourself. Mm -hmm. Does Uh, that make sense? Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. And that kind of leads into my one of the questions I've been asking a lot of people, and they all gave different answers, which was really interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, but I basically asked them, what is more important when looking for a job, financial stability or a sort of passion and intrigue for the job? And I feel like you sort of answered that question earlier, but I wanted to ask it to you nonetheless, just for your um, answer. I will. I have to ask you to hang on one second. I'm sorry. Somebody's calling me. One second. No problem. Okay, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know that it has to be either or. There's a book called Do What You Love and the Money Will Follow. Mm-hmm. And so, first of all, I would say I'm not crazy about the word passion. I, yeah. I think it's intimidating and it puts people on a an unrealistic, it sets a bar that isn't really I'm gonna, a- accurate. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely you want to do things that we know from decades of research that you need to do, do work that you find actually interesting, that Uh you like knowing about it, thinking about it, talking about it. You like talking with colleagues about it, you know, that that it's really interesting. We know that the way you need to be engaged with the content that's really interesting to you is in a role that uses the skills that you most love using. There's Mm -hmm. a difference between what we call can-do skills and motivated skills. 
can do our, you know, I can balance a budget. I can change the tires. I can maybe write a marketing plan, but we, the motivated skills, these are skills that when we're engaged in an activity that uses them, we, we like we're in what you probably heard the expression in flow. Like you forget you're hungry, you lose track of time. These are motivated skills. And so we're, we're looking to marry a role that calls on motivated skills in a, what I call it the sandbox you want to play in, the interest that mm-hmm. you really care about. And you want to be in it in a way that leads to impact, contribution that you're proud of, that you care about, that yeah. feels meaningful to you. So um, it doesn't have to be either or in terms of you know money or that I that it's satisfactory to me, that I really that it's meaningful to me. If part of what constitutes meaning for you in, in a way has to do with a certain kind of life that you want to be able to buy, then you need to have confidence in yourself that you'll you'll if you're trying to put life together in a way that really meets your needs, then you will you'll figure out how to meet what your financial need is too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And we have this to to have to make the converse assumption that in order to make good enough money, I have to give up what I'm interested in and like, and I have to do something I don't care about and I don't like, mm-hmm. which sounds miserable. Yeah. Okay. And is miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of what I wanted to hear. Cause um, I sort of discussed this with my teacher beforehand and he sort of gave a similar answer where it's uh, you know, you, you kind of have to, find out what you want to do and then sort of find section what you want to do that yeah. actually makes the money yeah. and then you could sort of mix them yeah. together and yeah. you know create something you, like that exactly exactly you want to you know understand and be able to 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 state for yourself look this is what i would love to get up every day and do or get up most days and do and i got to figure out who paid me for it mm-hmm. and who are the best payers for yeah. it 